Radio Drone. And it's another episode of Radio Drone, wasting 55 minutes with myself, Josh, my co host, Brad, that's me. Of course it is. <laughs> and we have a guest tonight. We have Allison, otherwise known as Obscurus Lupa from Obscurus Lupa Presents. What's up, Allison? What's up? <laughs> that's it? So I, have, I haven't gotten uh, a chance. Okay. <laughs> I haven't gotten a chance to talk to you since you finally finished uh, Cop Rock. Yeah, 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 I finished Cop Rock. <laughs> I was waiting so hard on, like, uh, on uh, your Twitter account once that, uh, that, sort of non-ending happened. <laughs> well, you know what happened? Like, I was watching the last episode, and then I got a phone call right yeah. before the commercial break before that ending. And so mm -hmm. it's like, you know, they're like, oh, is their marriage gonna work out? Oh, is the, the trial gonna, you know, what's gonna happen with the bad cop? And yeah. then um, I pause it, and I, I answer the phone call, and then once I'm done with the phone call, I play it, and all of a sudden I'm like, what? What is this? Why are they? Why are they talking about the actors? I don't know. What, what's singing? What, I don't understand. We just tacked it on at the end. This dark cop drama has just got all meta on me. I got a Skype message from her that night, all in caps. That is not an ending. Yeah, I think I sent it's you a not. message too on Twitter. Like, I remember that freaking ending. I remember seeing that ending and just being like, "Oh, I, I can't wait to hear what her reaction's gonna be on this." <laughs> remember that David E. Kelly show, Snoops, from '99. I, I remember it, but I didn't watch it. The one with Gina Gershon. It was canceled after ten episodes, but there were thirteen filmed. Mm -hmm. They obviously knew that they were being canceled. Episode thirteen, which only aired in Germany, that's where my copy of the last three episodes come from. Yeah. All of a sudden, they break into a music video, and then all the actors walk out of the studio and accost David E. Kelly in his office. What? <laughs> exactly. It was one of those, we know we're canceled, we're just having fun with this last episode kind of deal. Oh, man. I wish they'd let Viva Laughlin go on long enough to have an ending like that. They have to have more episodes. I mean, when a show gets canceled that fast... Yeah. There has to be unaired episodes. Lying oh, there around. are. There are uh, Viva Laughlin. There are unaired episodes because I have a bootleg of the two episodes that aired. And after the second one, the second episode airs, it shows previews for the next week's episode. Girls Club did the same thing. That one, I think they had eight. <laughs> well, and uh, Lupa, I sent you an, another series that you've been wanting. Yes. Baywatch Nights. <laughs> I sent her. Watch nights. Yeah, I sent her half of season one and all of season two. Already, it's uh, miles better than the regular Baywatch. I'm enjoying. It is it. right. It's, it's that show is genius. Well, like, cause like the I've seen. I remember watching Baywatch when it was actually on, and that's yeah. all I remember is is that I watched it. I don't remember any of the episodes, and I saw yeah. like one recently, and it was just like. Mitch is scared of skydiving, so they have a clip show. Like uh, it was really, it was really awful. And I'm like, I'd rather just have him in a chicken suit fighting crime, <laughs> being a, a PI. Better show. You haven't got to season two yet, though, have you, Allison? No, I haven't. I am really looking forward to it, though. Because all of a sudden, you jump from it being a he's a PI and it being just kind of a low budget detective show 
into the X-Files. Now, the same character, i.e. Mitch the lifeguard, is now cracking the Illuminati, stopping alien sp- space spores, pushing back the devil, battling vampires, undersea monsters, ancient evil, a mummy, a creature made of <laughs> lightning. Uh, he, he battles a Viking that's fro- that comes uh, out of a block of ice. He travels to an alternate dimension. <laughs> I could watch um I could watch David Hasselhoff in anything. He's yeah. just so charming. Like no matter what the idea is, you believe it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I can buy that. Mm-hmm. You, you mean even <laughs> even sitting on the floor having a hamburger fall apart on him? Oh, this seems like something mess. he would do. This <laughs> seems like something he'd do. <laughs> yeah. Even the hooked on a feeling music video I'm watching and I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I could buy it threw in a Baywatch Nights reference on the Night Trap video I just did. I laughed my I ass off at that, by the way. <laughs> I, I, I caught that. Actually, my favorite reference was not the Baywatch Nights one. It was Agent Bruno Matai movie. Oh, yeah, where uh, not Strike Commando, but Strike Commando 2 walks in. Yeah. <laughs> I laughed really hard at Agent Bruno Matai movie. Well, I figured you guys would like the Baywatch Nights reference. And th- honestly, when you look at that shot, that particular shot, it does look like something out of Baywatch Nights. He does have kind of a Mitch, the his character does have kind of a Mitch thing going on. The thing with Baywatch Nights is, though, that was not a cheap show. I mean, no, Allison, at all. I think you can back me up on this. That show had a budget behind it, didn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, it's, the cars, you know, uh, the camera considering- work. You know, when you think back on that show, you do kind of think you're, you're a lot of people, a lot of people who haven't seen it, a lot of you who haven't seen it, just they get a, a picture in their head of, uh, you know, just a lower budgeted version and more of like a syndicated, you know, nightman kind of thing about it. But really, yeah, you're right. It is a much more well put together show than than the original one is. They, it seemed like they were genuinely trying with it. Yeah. It didn't seem like they were just phoning it in. Maybe in the in the second season they just kind of jumped the shark. But. Uh-huh. but but see, the thing with the second season being so goofy, they don't play it goofy. They uh-huh. play it totally straight. That that there's nothing wrong with this lifeguard being the guy that kills the vampire. Yeah. <laughs> think, okay, so I'm I'm only just starting into the first season right now so I haven't gotten into any of the, the weird supernatural stuff but I think my favorite part so far um, was in the first episode where he's got to protect um, a swimwear model from her stalker they, they have the scene where he's sitting by the pool watching her swim because she decides to just take a nighttime swim and all of a sudden of it turns into like a music video so she's just, she's just swimming as this music and it just goes on forever Mm-hmm. And just like all of a sudden, it turns into a music video. And, you, uh, you still she, have to get the TNA in with water, all playful, and they cut to him like blow drying off his pants, like it's all sexy, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> have you got to the phone sex one yet? Nine seven six ways to say I love you. No, not yet. I, it's I, a I long phone number. <laughs> Both you guys would will find it funny. Robert Ginty is the villain in that one. That's why I really want to see that. I, I, I don't think I've seen that episode, but that's one uh, That's one I really got to check out because I freaking love Robert Ginty. He shows up in season two as well, although it's a different character. He shows up as a devil worshiper. Someone also uh, sent, me a, sent me a message saying, when we were talking about that Ginty movie with uh, Sandal Bergman, and we couldn't remember, like, we, we saw that the title for it was Programmed to Kill, but... I was thinking it was something else. The title I was thinking of was The Retaliator. Somebody posted on your website that, yeah. Yeah. 
that's just People not so even helpful with that. like this obscure stuff. I know, right? Not having like thousands of followers on Twitter, just like, hey, what's this one thing? Yeah, I you know it help? helps so much. Like I did the same thing uh, like a few months back, where I was like, hey guys, what what year did the Rolling Rocker come out? <laughs> I'm not seeing a date for that anywhere. <laughs> and they like broke it down and like uh, like you, you picture like uh, so someone had like a chalkboard and they were breaking stuff down and uh, like I was like was it the eighties or was it the nineties that it came out with? And one guy wrote back he's like now I put together my calculations that on the box for the Rollin Rocker the box for the Rollin Rocker has a picture of the Elm Street game on it which came out in the nineties. <laughs> Sweet. That's some nice so, detective work there, so Lou. I know, right? That was, it was Mitch that was following you, so we did some PI investigating, right? Oh, thank God. Okay. <laughs> it, it pays having a 90s PI investigator on my Twitter. String anything together and be right about it. Yeah. What, when you have main character status, you will always come out ahead. Exactly. <laughs> you can make out with the model, the swimwear model, and arrest her at the end. Well, Allison, did you get to the one, the episode that clearly was the original pilot, but framed as a flashback yet? Ah. Yeah, yeah, I watched that. I was wondering about that. I'm like, was it supposed to be aired first? <laughs> no, no. I guess it was. The, the order I gave them to you is the order that they were supposed to air, but that was clearly the original pilot that sold the series, Yeah. and then for whatever reason they thought it wasn't strong enough to air first. So they frame it as a flashback origin episode, how the group gets together. It's kind of like um, in uh, the 80s Dan pilot, you know, like, oh, we don't have to have, like, explain how it happens in the pilot. <laughs> right. We just explain everything in the opening credits. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'll, have my, maybe I'll have my third episode be a clip show. Narration in the Baywatch Nights pilot, the, the one that they aired first, you know, just a narration like, oh, I got together and then now I'm a PI. And then they just go into it. And I'm like, okay, I, I guess he's a PI now. <laughs> just wait till you see the season two opening. It's supposed to be all spooky and scary, and it's all David Hasselhoff's ego taking up most of the screen, literally. Uh, and then it goes, the nights will never be the same. <laughs> and it's like, you know, and I, I just, I love the shameless pun that they have with the, the club that they have their office over. It's called it's Nights. Called nights. Yeah. That's why it's Baywatch Nights. It doesn't even take place at night. It's just nights. Most of the season two stuff does take place at night because it's not really good to have vampires and werewolves running around in the daytime. Yeah, and I primarily saw a lot of season two stuff because thinking back on it, a majority of what I was seeing from that show took, took, did take place at night. It's a great so, show. Yeah, I think I, I primarily saw a lot of season two stuff on that. Well, Brad, I just sent you a package this week, so you should. I be just getting... got it. I just got it. I was like, "Oh, that feels like a big box." I think I know what this is. Ten to midnight <laughs> with Bronson. Ten to midnight, Bronson and a naked serial killer, and Wilford Brimley. <laughs> exactly, Wilford Brimley. You got Andrew. You got Andrew Stevens in there. A non-Shannon Tweed. Tweed. Andrew Stevens movie. You've got the chick from. Yeah, uh, Lisa Eichenbacher Ike, uh, or something Ike, like that. Yeah, yeah, she was uh, she was the friend and the blonde friend of Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, and she's Charles Bronson's daughter in the movie. It's just <laughs> <Classic>. weird. <laughs> I love that movie. What's a great movie? And one of the other things I sent you was that great uh, How to Beat Nintendo Games video. Yes, from like '89. I could now. I could finally be a genius at <laughs> Blaster Master. Make sure you watch the credits. 
Oh, I will. Because in the credits, they have bloopers that actually show how they fake some of the footage. Mm-hmm. Because the guys are are not actually playing the video that's on the screen. They're yeah. they're watching a VHS tape. Because <laughs> at one point, at one point, the tape catches and they rewind back over it. That's oh, the no. that's the blooper. And the guy goes, "This doesn't match anything I'm doing. I don't even know what I'm doing anymore." <laughs> This isn't Where's Waldo for the NES at all. At one point, I guess they thought the running time was a little light. They go, we're going to show you the entire ending to Double Dragon, I guess, because nobody could beat Double Dragon. Spoiler alert. 20 minutes of just them playing Double Dragon all the way through to the ending. Just a giant 20-minute block. Well, now that just sounds like the most boring Let's Play ever. (laughs) Actually, with the music, because there's no narration or anything, it's just with the soundtrack, I just kind of went... When I was recording it for you off the VHS, I just kind of went, you know what, I can't deal with this, I'll come back in 20 minutes. The the music's literally giving me a headache. (laughs) Oh, brilliant. Yeah, it sounds like when I was making a bootleg of Sallow for someone years back. (laughs) I'm going upstairs, I'm not watching this. Well, now you can have it on Blu-ray. I know, right? They got that movie on Blu-ray. I just see that shit in HD. Literally. (laughs) That is, out of all of the movies they could have put on Blu-ray. Sallow. Can you believe that? Oh man, can you believe that at one point that actually had a Criterion edition to it? Really? Wow. Yeah, it, it had a Criterion edition, and it was out very briefly. Like it, it like it got pulled off of the shelves as like as quickly as it was released. And so for a while, it was like the most expensive DVD you could find because it was so it was such a rare DVD that only a certain amount were made and were were quickly taken off the shelves by Sallow on DVD off of like eBay or Amazon. Like they'd be they'd be asking for like 600 bucks for it. So it was kind of like Criterion's uh, Custer's Revenge then. Pretty much, it, it's not even man. It's not even like part of me is like is is sort of like oh, it is, it is an art flick. I mean, it is. It, there is a certain level of pretentiousness to it. I guess I can sort of understand like Criterion releasing that. Certainly more so Criterion releasing that than when Criterion put out a, an edition of Armageddon. I was just going to bring that up. I was going to say, Brad, Criterion doesn't necessarily have a standard of quality because I have the Criterion edition of Armageddon. Yeah, they have a thing with like the Michael Bay movies or something. I don't know. Like They put out Armageddon and there's a Criterion for The Rock and I guess that's all right because I like The Rock. Cajun Connery, man. Well, speaking of Connery, have either of you guys seen the movie The Arab Conspiracy? You might have seen it as The Next Man. No, I haven't. Allison? Me neither. No. Okay, it's horrible, but get, <laughs> but get this. Sean Connery is an Arab, and he doesn't even hide his accent. Like, like, Sean Connery is playing an Arab an prince. Either, He's a, playing an Arab an prince, though. Whatever he was supposed to be in Highlander. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was an Egyptian raised in Spain, so... Named Ramirez. Yeah. <laughs> With Scottish accent. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you talk Spoken. smack about Highlander. I love that movie. I, I thought it was great, too. I just... It's Sean a classic. Connery. Sean Connery just says what where he's from, but he's always Sean Connery. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh-huh. So are you looking Russian forward to the, the the Twilight remake of Highlander? Oh yeah, yeah, like the just, writer of Twi- the writer of Twilight is uh remaking Highlander. The writer, what what actually like sort of started upsetting me more about that was less that the writer of 
the Twilight adaptations was writing it because there was part of me that was sort of like, well, this person wrote the adaptations of Twilight, but she's still working. Like, how do you make that good? I mean, she's still working from very terrible source material. I mean, so maybe like there's 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 like a fraction of me that was sort of like, well, I can maybe not with Highlander, but anything else, give this person sort of a benefit of the doubt. But then, like, they're talking on bringing, like, the guy who did, like, Fast and the Furious and Triple X and all this stuff onto it. That's the point where I was like, okay, this is going to be terrible. Well, did you hear about G.I. Well, Joe 2? I didn't even like the first G.I. Joe, so... The director of G.I. Joe 2, the guy who's directing it, his two previous movies were the Jonas Brothers in 3D and Justin Bieber Never Say Never. They're giving him a they're giving so him a hun- it'll be a manly film. They're giving him 150 million dollars and letting him make GI Joe 2 because clearly his resume says he can handle that. Is it going to star Justin Bieber and the Jonas Brothers cuz I'd go see that. <laughs> you know what? I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can, can I can buy weirder things like Joseph Gordon-Levitt playing Cobra Commander. Lord knows what Bieber would play. There, there's all these movies that you heard about that thankfully never happened, such as, Brad, you and I, I don't know if Allison, you are, but Brad and I are huge Flash Gordon fans. The 1980 movie? Steven Summers was going to make the new one. That would have just been terrible. I uh, wouldn't have enjoyed that. There's, there's no way Steven Summers could have made that into a good movie. I did find, uh, the other day I got a bootleg of the unfinished uh, work print for Grizzly 2 featuring uh, George Clooney, Charlie Sheen, and Laura Dern getting eaten by a bear. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Oh, man. <laughs> w- was Charlie Sheen winning? <laughs> if by if his point was to get eaten by a bear, then then yes, <laughs> he was winning. That's a sequel to the seventies movie, right? Or yeah, it was to like be? it didn't have the. I love the seventies one, the one with Christopher George. Um, I this one, like it was. I think they they were gonna call it Grizzly Two, but it. It didn't have anyone from the first one, and it didn't even William Girdler. I think it had died by that point, so he wasn't directing it. Grizzly Two, Electric Boogaloo. It's no, it's got a stupid, it's got a stupid uh, uh, subtitle to it as well, like that. It's like Grizzly Two, uh, the concert. Because it takes place like, like not that it's like a concert what? or anything like that. It, it it's about like a group of people who are going to a concert and they're getting attacked by a bear. And is that so, really what it's called? Or yeah, it is like uh, is some. It's got several different alternate titles. They're like there's like Grizzly Two, the Predators, and then there's another title to it that's like Predators, the concert. <laughs> <laughs> was never even finished like it what i have is is just a work print all right brad would the cover be a huge bear claw coming ripping through the poster and would say the right to bear arms Uh. (laughs) i haven't seen any artwork for it or anything i the the bootleg i have doesn't have any it's just a disc i haven't seen any kind of artwork or anything. I know the, the the art for the first one is like just like the bear just towering over everything. Oh, but, I, I, used to, I used to have the DVD for Grizzly and it was great because I got it in the mail and it was like double disc 25th anniversary edition. I mean, double disc? Oh, I love it when that happens with something I do not expect that to happen with. And yet Armageddon gets one too. Oh, 
God. Well, that one just angers me because I hate that movie. It's better than I Deep remember Impact. when FX was playing Armageddon like every day of the week. Ugh. And like it pissed me off. Like I, I watched uh, FX to have like to watch Buffy reruns, and yeah. then Armageddon is is always on, ruining <laughs> it. Yeah, and of course, like when you throw in the commercials, it's about a four-hour movie. Yeah, it... it's still better than Deep Impact. I like Deep Impact. I I would watch Deep Impact ten times in a row before I would watch Armageddon once. Before I would watch thirty minutes of Armageddon. You know what? I, think what I saw it in theaters too. That's really sad. I saw. <laughs> I, I did Deep Impact in the theater. I saw Armageddon in the theater. You know what would have made Armageddon better? Henry Rollins. He auditioned for one of the pilots in the shuttle that crashes, and he yeah. didn't get the part, unfortunately. But Henry yeah. Rollins would have made that movie cool. What, Armageddon? Yeah. It, it couldn't have made it worse. Well, because he, 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 <laughs> he said his entire audition was pretending you're in a cockpit going, Oh my god, we're gonna die! Yeah. So it's like, oh, he was that pilot, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that movie so much. And come on, Charlton Heston's narrating the opening. How is no, that, that doesn't bad? Make it a... <laughs> That's like ten seconds out of it. <laughs> and it, it's it hugely inaccurate because they they show the meteor hitting Earth, and yet all the continents are in their current positions yeah. instead of Pangea. Oh, I that reminds me. Um, I was reviewing movies for the newspaper at the time, at the time that movie came out, and I wrote a review for Armageddon, and I... I yeah, I gave it a pretty negative review, but I mentioned in the review, like, the, like the opening narration, which says, like, two million years ago, blah, 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 or something like that. So after that happened, I'm just remembering this, too. Uh, after that happened, I got a package in the mail. I'm like, what's this? I open it up. It was from a religious fanatic <laughs> who who thought that I was personally saying everything that was in the narration he sent me like all of this quote unquote evidence that shows that like the earth is is only like 2000 years old and not 2 million years old oh see i used to work at a movie theater and the manager there was one of those religious people that you couldn't talk to yeah when i brought up okay then how do you explain the dinosaurs he says oh those bones were put there by god to test the faith of the true believers no, no, they were put there by Xenu. See, but, but when you run into somebody like that, there's there's no talking to that person. Well, I just kind of laughed. I, I just kind of was like, okay, whatever. Uh, this person might like Armageddon. <laughs> um, Let's change the topic because we're wasting Allison, and I don't want to waste Allison here. So no, That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Allison, you've got a show called Obscurus Lupa Presents. Yes. What, what, is the t- what would you say is the target of your show? Why did you create OLP? Um, I just, I like going over movies that are terrible, but you can still enjoy. For the most part. Not all the reviews are positive, but just, I enjoy movies that aren't really the best. And, uh, that's, that's really, I just like going over ones that are laughably bad and showing them to other people. They're all movies that you'd be watching, uh, watching anyway, regardless if you were doing a review or a riff of it. Probably, yeah. yeah <laughs> most me, of them. Me, me too, for the most part. You seem to focus on, and I can't use the term Brad and I always use, but the shot on video mm-hmm. stuff, especially the newer stuff. Is there a reason the shot on video stuff kind of catches your fancy? Because that's usually the most incompetent ones. 
<laughs> like the people I like I like the ones that um the reason the the movies that I pick um that I select the ones that I do are usually ones that people are putting a genuine effort into. I mean there's uh-huh. ones that you know that people are just kind of eh, just trying to cash in on something. Um you know they usually they don't have the technical prowess to do what they're trying to do and that's what makes it funny. Um, and shot on video is usually like that. Um, there's one that you sent me called <laughs> Sleepy Hollow High, which uh, I did. Uh, I'm, I'm finishing the review tonight, but um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's funny. It's not particularly well made. But it's but, really not. Um, that one's really not that bad, though. I actually kind of like the monster in it. There's no monster. You what? know what I mean. The the horseman, whatever. No, it's it's a pumpkin mask. You've seen it in anything that has Sleepy Hollow in the title, except for maybe Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow. It's going to have someone with a pumpkin mask on. But I kind of liked it. I thought it, ni- I thought it looked nice. I thought it looked interesting. No, it didn't. They probably got that at a Kmart. <laughs> <laughs> That looked terrible. And it was so obvious that, like, okay, I looked on IMDb, it says the release date's 2000. It's so obvious it was just, like, not put on DVD for or VHS for a long time. Wait a minute, this thing was shot in 1976. Uh, one of the benches in the movie said class of 1995, so... Yeah, I was going to say, I, I bought it on VHS, I think, in 97 or 98. I picked it up yeah, at Walmart yeah, for five for five dollars. What kind of movies? What what uh, specific kind do you do you find like the easiest one to write for? Horror and action ones are usually the ones that I like focusing on, um, especially the Cynthia Rothrock stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shot on video stuff is probably the easiest to script because there's just um, I don't have to stretch for jokes with those usually. <laughs> well, uh, Brian wanted me, my buddy Brian wanted me to ask you if uh, you'd ever come across or would ever consider doing a movie that he called the worst movie he ever rented. I've never seen it, but I remember the box cover. It's called Bullethead. I've never heard of it. I've this, never heard of it. I re- You would probably, Josh, you'd probably, you, you might remember the box when it when it when the very first time it hit video uh that's how i like by title i i didn't remember it but the the box cover has this like rob zombie looking guy on it holding like a couple of guns or something i guess the plot of the movie is it's it's a rip off of the crow the movie's a rip off of the crow so the, <laughs> nice. the guy'd been shot in the head and he goes around with a bullet in his head throughout the throughout the whole movie <laughs> oh now the title, Bullethead. Yeah, okay. we have a title, Bullethead. So, <laughs> well, Allison, have you, have, you ever, have you ever watched a movie that genuinely pissed you off? I mean, have any of these actually gotten you angry that they were that bad? Usually, if something is so bad that it makes me angry, I won't review it because it's usually too awful to review. The ending of Sleepy Hollow High pissed me off. Mind Warp? The ending of Mind Warp? Yeah, the ending of Mind Warp did... Yeah, that made me mad, too. Uh, I, lo- I I hate the cop out endings. It was a dream. It was all in your head. Like usually, usually these movies, the ones that I review, I, I find enjoyable, so they don't usually oh. piss me off. There was one I watched called Sasquatch. I've seen it, that. At least yeah, it wasn't the geek. That was the, one of the most boring things I've ever seen. Like every once in a while, they'd cut to like Sasquatch vision. You know, like, yeah. oh, it's watching them, and then it's just them walking and talking in the woods for an hour and a half. Is that the one with Lance Henriksen and Andrea Roth? I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't know those names. <laughs> Lance Henriksen was Bishop in Aliens, the android. I don't know. Andrea Roth is uh, Dennis Leary's wife on Rescue Me. Oh, I, oh yeah, yeah. Because I've I, got someone called Sasquatch with those two, and I've never gotten around to watching it yet. So oh. I just yeah, don't well, know if I mean, the there's a movie. sequel called Sasquatch Hunters as well, which nice. I heard is funny. Um, it, people have told me Sasquatch Hunters is worth watching, but I don't know. I'm kind of scared to after the first. <laughs> that was just okay. Here's how bad it is. I'm going to spoil the ending for you. <gasps> the Sasquatch and the guy come to an understanding in the end, <laughs> and then the Sasquatch walks away. You don't even get the satisfaction of a Sasquatch fight. All it is is like, it's it's like the uh, messing with Sasquatch commercials, except like in the end they're just like, yeah, we're okay. That's oh. just wrong. He was mad because the plane hit a Sasquatch buddy. <laughs> he was just <laughs> his buddy was dead. So. Well, if you play uh, Red Dead Redemption, Undead Nightmare, you get to kill the last six Sasquatches in existence. Uh, it's oh. actually one of your missions is Sas- Sasquatch hunting. Well, that's kind of <laughs> sad. You gotta keep a couple of them alive. No, it actually is really sad the way they do it in the game because yeah. you don't realize what you're doing. You've got this image in your head of them being baby eaters and stuff, and a, a yeah. hillbilly claims that one of them took his kid. And when you f- finally hunt the last one, it's sitting there crying, going, Do it. Put me down. Someone's eliminating all of my kind anyway. And you just you <laughs> feel terrible, but you, you, to complete the mission, you have to kill it. Oh. It's okay. It's a video game. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. It's it's still emotional. Do you have, do you have like, uh, how do you really choose what, uh, which ones you're going to do? Do you have like a list of stuff written down and just kind of pick and choose from there? Or do you like plan stuff like way in advance? Um, basically after I've watched something, if I really want to review it, I'll, uh, I'll schedule it next. Like I keep a schedule. And if I'm not really sure on it, I have, like, a maybe pile that I have that I kind of look through. I'm like, oh, what am I going to do next? Yeah. Like what you were saying uh, earlier about uh, not doing ones that, like, really just tick you off. That's sort of like how I used to do it. And then eventually, like, anymore, when I sit down to, to do one of them, it's my first time seeing them. <laughs> uh. So I don't know if it's going to piss me off. There are some of them that, like, they piss me off, but they're still... It would still be a funny review. Um, I guess Pocket Ninjas is kind of like that. Oh, uh, sure, That's the, yeah. the one I'm doing uh, after Sleepy Hollow High. Pocket Ninjas is one of the most incomprehensible movies I've ever seen. Like, I, I think some of it was put out of order. I could not tell what was going on. <laughs> like, uh, And I had, like, this long Twitter... Uh, Twitter feed all about it like I just kept commenting as I'm watching it because it's just I did not understand what they were trying to do like I thought maybe it would be a three ninjas rip off because on the cover there's three kids who aren't in the movie and they got like you know like yeah. spray bottles and brooms and stuff and I'm like ah it's gonna be wacky and none of that ever <laughs> happens in the movie <laughs> oh zany <laughs> yeah and like it, they don't even try to be zany it's just sort of yeah what do kids like? They like video games. So in the last five minutes, we're going to throw in a virtual reality game? I <laughs> guess? <laughs> Let's give them a copy of Spy Kids 3D. It's got uh, Robert Zadar in it, uh, the maniac. Oh, oh I, I love Robert yeah, Zadar. He plays the bad guy, but I'm not entirely sure if he even exists in the movie. I don't know if he's part <laughs> of the comic, if he's part of the video game. His mustache disappears after the first scene. He's like, he'll show up in the comic scenes, and then like... 
I guess, like, his son is the bad guy, but I'm like, what happened to him? Did he die? But they don't show it. He just shows up every once in a while as part of, like, the video game or a flashback. You know, I'm not entirely sure why he was there. Man, I'd, watch some, I'd watch something if it had Robert Zadar in it. Have you seen Samurai Cop? Yeah, I've seen Samurai Cop. Samurai Cop. I like that too. Like someone will come up to me and be like, "Dude, I got this terrible movie." I'm like, "I don't know if I want to watch this." I'm like, it's got Robert Davi in it. Sold. And Melissa Moore. I've got a big thing for Melissa Moore, and and that's not nearly as dirty as it just came out. What are some movies that you've like kind of sat down to watch to to review? What What are some of them where like uh, you get like maybe halfway through it and been like, "I, I just can't do it." <laughs> I watched Above the Law. Uh, the Steven Seagal one, and that oh, one. Oh, I kind of like that one. <laughs> I kind of like well, that one too. It, I mean, I w- I finished watching it, but I kind of zoned out in the middle of it because it wasn't really bad. It wasn't really yeah, good either to me. Yeah, I know what okay. you mean. Because above the law, I, I I if 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 I did if I did, did like the Seagal movies or something like that, I I agree with you on that. I, I I do like above the law, but there isn't a lot really to make any kind of comedic review or anything on. Yeah, and, and since it was his first movie, I guess he hadn't fallen into self-parody yet, so it was kind of decent. Yeah. That's yeah. why people liked him back then, you know? And, yeah. uh, you know, at least Hard to Kill had, like, you know, coma chase sequences and full oh, yeah, beards yeah. and you know. Um, Sent you to the bank, <laughs> Senator. The blood bank. <laughs> <laughs> that should be, the, that's the ultimate uh, one-liner. <laughs> Well, and then out for justice, he's got that really horrible Italian cliche cop accent. Oh, hey, you got any puppy dog food in here for my dog Garajo? <laughs> I love out. I love out for justice. Out for justice is probably my favorite movie of his. Just the scene in the I'll bar have to alone. Watch that one. I haven't seen that one. <laughs> it's great. The scene of him in, in the bar. bar yes. The bar scene, him slapping people around. He dominates a hot that dog scene. in a guy's face. <laughs> what hot dog is this? Is this yours? <laughs> Honestly, his best movie, and I know this is subjective since it's Seagal, I think is Marked for Death, personally. I love Marked for Death. Yeah, I, I saw that one, and I, I decided not to review that one either, because it's another one It has funny moments, but the whole thing is kind of like, well, it's just decent to me. Jenny! They I, hurt my baby! <laughs> I saw that one in the theater. I think Let's I just too. hope they, they weren't triplets. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds the first... Oh, man. Uh, our, our, me, uh, me and Brian, me and my buddy Brian, we showed uh, our friend Sarah marked for death. Because she hadn't seen any of Seagal's older movies. She was only going by, like, his recent stuff. And we're like, no, 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 no. Back in the day, like, he actually, like, had charisma. <laughs> and, like, he was and, good. Like, yeah, was a really good action hero back in the day. So we popped <laughs> in We pop in Mark for Death. We show her Mark for Death. She's sitting there like, uh, oh, man, this is like I'm watching a completely different person. Where's this guy at now? So we're watching <laughs> it. And then the ending of Mark for Death happens when the second screw face comes out. Um, Judas and like just pops out there. Sarah's sitting there like I knew it. And Brian and I look at her like, what? Really? How? Why would you have guessed that that was gonna happen? <laughs> One thought he was invincible. The other thought he could fly. They were both wrong. <laughs> Best line in the movie, and of course they use it in the trailer. Of course. But speaking of action, you know, action heroes like Seagal and his eventual fall from grace and fall yeah. off the scale. 
what happened to 80s action heroes? How did we go from Stallone and Seagal and Dolph Lundgren and stuff like that, the ones Lupa reviews like uh, Cynthia Rothrock and yeah. um, Michael Dudikoff and that, how did we go from that to Goldberg and The Rock and things like that as our current slate of action heroes? Uh, because I think that I think the direct-to-DVD thing kind of hurt that a lot, seeing those kind of action movies in the theater. I mean, once you started, once a lot of the more cheesy action movies started going direct-to-video, we sort of got what we have now. And plus, like, I don't know, like, like Dwayne Johnson, he has this weird thing where, like, even other actors like him, where they seem to base their entire career on the i the false idea that Schwarzenegger only made movies like Jingle All the Way. I think part of it uh, is that people don't really have to know how to fight to do an action movie, and so they're kind of going for star power rather than showing yeah. impressive martial arts. I mean, you know, you yeah. can say what you want about Michael Dudikoff or Cynthia Rothrock. I mean, their acting was not that great, but they knew what they were doing. Right, they still right. had stuff to showcase. That's why Jackie Chan still gets work. Well, and yeah. then you've you've also got to me The Rock. His best movie ever is Reno Nine One One. The movie. Oh, okay. He he, he <laughs> is hilarious in that. He's only got about two minutes of screen time, and he owned that two minutes. And if you haven't seen uh, the movie, I, I won't ruin what happens to him. But it's hilarious. Well, he's actually a good comedic actor. He's just he picks freaking stupid movies like the tooth fairy you know the tooth fairy the the one where he the the game plan or whatever it was called race to witch mountain Ugh. faster yeah. fast five well faster, I liked faster. Him in, uh, and get smart the yeah. remake faster at least he's doing at least he's doing an action movie but uh, it's, it's it's why i'm a huge uh that's why i'm a huge jason statham fan because he's doing he's the kind of action hero who i really grew up watching. He is He's almost like this, an 80s action hero in the he 2000s. He is. He is an 80s action hero. Like I go Yeah, like spin. Crank 2. That was awesome. Both Crank 2. They're making a third one now. Awesome. <laughs> Although I'm not uh, sure how, because didn't he die in both of them? I mean, in pretty definitively no, he, dead he, ways. Uh, he, he doesn't... It shows him wake up at the end of the second one. Okay. Well, he... he te- like the, <laughs> You're trying to... to you know, he he almost dies in like all of them. That's the whole point, you know. <laughs> I, I'm trying to apply logic to a movie that doesn't have any. It don't apply logic. He fell out of a helicopter in the first one, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and well, it's because he had a powerful heart. Exactly. Because <laughs> that's all you need. Imagine exactly. if it were made of gold, Brad. If it, yeah, just imagine what he could do if it was made of gold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But but Allison, who is your favorite? I mean, do you prefer the Michael Dudikoff style stuff or the Cynthia Rothrock kind of st- stuff, which are both kind of ego based on, hey, look at me, I'm the star. Would you prefer something more like what Seagal used to be rather than what he's become? Well, you know who I'm going to side with, Cynthia Rothrock. Hell but... yeah. <laughs> but like um I think the ego ones are the funniest ones to watch. Like those are the ones like Razor Sharp where it's clearly just this guy trying to show off and the movie is just it's based around that one idea and it's not very good um the most impressive martial arts like the ones that are the 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 most decent movies are probably the ones where um it showcases the the um martial arts and they try to to make it work with the story like they they had a story to begin with that's probably why i I think uh the 
the Cynthia Rothrock stuff um, can be decent at times. Um, what I've been told is that her Hong Kong work is really good. That uh, you know the the fight scenes are um, they put a lot more work into them. And so she's a I've female Jackie Chan. Of them, it, it looks like it's really impressive. So she's a female Jackie Chan. All the good stuff was in Hong Kong. Right. Yeah, see? Well, that's why all of her American movies are really awful, because, like, she comes to America, and then people are just like, uh, yeah, we need you to not hit so hard with your fights, maybe slow down a little bit, you know, all these fight (laughs) scenes are getting a little dangerous, why don't we just fight some country bumpkins or something? Fight some country bumpkins alongside, uh, Thomas Ian Griffith or something? Well, the guy (laughs) who who directed, um, uh, China O'Brien 1 and 2, he directed Enter the Dragon. Oh, 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 nice. And he directed China O'Brien 1 and 2. Was that Robert Klaus? I don't remember. I just remember reading about it, that it was it was that guy. <laughs> uh, well, I think, too, like, it, it sort of, uh, or at least at least to me anyway, it, it, it sort of depends on what kind of mood I'm in, you know. If, you know, some days, some days, you know, you're in the mood to watch Total Recall, some days you're in the mood to watch Steel Justice. I mean, <laughs> well, but on the same token, everything to me is tainted today by September 11th. Every single action movie today seems to have something to do with terrorism. Well, and that's just been going on since early 2000s after September 11th. I mean, I, I know, but I mean, like even the War Games sequel, it's all about terrorism. Can we have an action movie that? Well, there were action movies. Are like, uh, Terrorists are like the new Nazis, you know, like, yeah. you got a go-to villain, you know? And there were action movies before September 11th that dealt with terrorism, like True Lies, but uh, now they Living all Daylights, do. Speed, 1 and 2, um, The Siege, yeah. Die Hard. <laughs> Asian Dawn? <laughs> I read about them in Time Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> well, because to me, it just... I don't like the idea. I mean, I don't like the idea of sequels coming out twenty years after the fact. Anyway, like war games, but sure. the fact that the whole thing is about stopping Muslims and Muslim terrorists—it's just like, oh god, again another uh-huh. one of these. Well, I, th- I think the most glaring example of—I um, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. It's not a new idea, but it definitely is more prevalent um, yeah. after September 11th. But I think the most uh, obvious example of it was I watched the the Poseidon miniseries that oh, they based the, off of the Poseidon Adventure the and NBC all that. One? Um, the book series. Those terrorists. Yeah, they made it about terrorists on oh. on there, like. Um, I think they they blew it up, and that's why the the ship capsized in that one. And so there's like a guy going after the terrorists, and then one of the so one of the people was... trying to escape is is the terrorist, and and they, they use like to... a laptop to contact. Yeah, they that's wanted to awful. combine elements with uh, Beyond the Poseidon Adventure. I guess I, I, I that was a, know. Beyond the <laughs> Poseidon Adventure was a sequel with Telly Savalas and Peter Boyle and Michael Caine. Really? Where it was, I, it was like great. It. it was honestly pretty great. But like, it was about like uh, these scavengers. They happen upon the Poseidon after it's been tipped over, probably like a day later, and they break sure. inside. And then they're they're all trying to steal the stuff. But there's like gangsters who are also trying to steal stuff. So they got like shootouts <laughs> and stuff in there. It's pretty great. I, I remember the one where I think it was called I think it was called the Arena or something like that. Where it was a it was a Canadian disaster movie that was about a collapsed hockey rink. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just depressing. <laughs> we can, we can get him out with maple syrup. <laughs> you gotta get out of here, eh? <laughs> the strange brew guys just hanging out. 
Now I know I know I'm cursing all of us by saying this right now. I am so happy that that has not hit the remake block yet. Strange, Strange Brew? Brew. Yeah, they're remaking everything will. else. I don't think it was it was big enough for them to try and cash in on it. You know, they tried to cash in on either. stuff that that most people know the the names of. I don't think it's as big nowadays, except for people who who saw it or kind of heard of it along the way. I grew up watching that. It was on like <laughs> cable all the time as a kid. Yeah, that was that was really funny. I think it's a, a very underrated comedy because it doesn't get brought up now much nowadays. But it, it does have a lot of very eighties humor. Like w- when they find the huge three quarter inch floppy disks and they think they're record albums, so they take the data stuff out and put it on the record player. It sounds like a new wave album, man. <laughs> <laughs> I just loved like it's played straight for most of the movie. I mean, like you know, like it's kind of it's it's supposed to be in reality it's as much as a comedy movie is and then all of a sudden in the end the dog starts flying for no reason they just throw that in there <laughs> to me With your twist to me the only thing i couldn't accept was that yosemite sam was their father because mel, mel blank does the voice for their father and he does it as straight yosemite sam so to me yosemite sam being their dad was the hardest thing to accept in that movie <laughs> that was the hardest thing to accept really <laughs> i saw it when i was 10 point. I was they willing to accept it. Oh, I was believing everything else, but right when I when I found out that. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! I got a message the other day from someone telling me why it wouldn't work if uh, if in reality uh, someone shot a gun at me and I could uh, deflect the bullet by hitting it with a bat. <laughs> <laughs> like, thank you, sir. <laughs> at the at the same rate, would throwing a sock on the gun flip it into your hands? No, that's real. Oh, absolutely, he, huh? Oh, yeah. He ad-libbed that. I didn't expect him to do that. That was, <laughs> that was a sweet move. He, he, these movies sock it to him. Such strange conversations. Like, uh, I watched one called The Black Ninja, where our hero paralyzes the villain on the toilet, and he just basically craps himself to this whole scene. <laughs> and, like, and I got into this conversation uh, with my friend trying to figure out, I'm like, well, would it make the fart noises if you were paralyzed, or would it just kind of come out clean? Because it had all these co- these fart noises, and I'm like, I don't know if that would happen. And she's like, no, I think it would. And I'm like, I don't know, because yeah, there's yeah. no real pressure there. Just kind of let loose. And that that conversation shouldn't have happened ever. <laughs> I've had many a conversation like that where after about five minutes you realize, why the hell are we talking about this? This is dumb. <laughs> no, dude, you could totally punch the bullets out of a clip of a gun. <laughs> With a bat. <laughs> well, I always like the ones, and the Mythbusters proved you yeah, can't the do bat. this, the the uh, the shooting a gun underwater repeatedly. Yeah. I always like that in the in the shark movies. They always, somebody falls in and they end up shooting their forty five or their thirty eight or whatever at the shark, and you go, no, doesn't work <laughs> like that. <laughs> That's not how that works, guys. <laughs> eh, but I don't. It doesn't bother me when that happens in movies. Well, in a lot of the movies that that Allison you review, there's always this like tendency to they're playing it straight, even if it's stupid. And then there's always one <laughs> one or two moments that is so over the top that you go, "How did that sneak in there? That oh, that doesn't God. mesh with what we just saw for the previous forty minutes." Like How John does... Barrowman's ad lib from Shark Attack Three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one we can't repeat here. 
But <laughs> the, the reason that one, he wasn't playing it straight, you know, like... No pun intended. Like, he, he meant it to be serious. Like, he was joking. The filmmakers were just like, you know what? I like his style. I yeah. like that line. Let's keep that in there. And then it adds <laughs> the added irony that he's gay, too. So the context is even stranger for that comment. <laughs> at, at least in Doctor Who, like, he plays sort of like... He, he goes with all sexes, so it's okay, but, like, when he always plays the ladies' man and, and everything else, like, and it's so not <laughs> not who he is. <laughs> but, no, I, I mean, you, you see these movies like, like the later Seagal movies. Have you ever seen uh, Exit Wounds? Yes. Uh, it, it's, it was supposed to be his big comeback in, uh, like, 98, I think. It was his last theatrically released movie, not counting uh, his little appearance in Machete. Well, he did mm-hmm. Half Past Dead after that. Did that actually get a theatrical release? Yeah, that went theatrical. Yikes. Okay. Half Past Dead <laughs> has the same problem I'm going to bring up. It's a it's relatively straightforward. Not a good movie, not a bad movie. And he's got some fight scenes. They're okay. And then they get to one point that is such ridiculously obvious wire work. Yeah. During a fight scene, and you go, no! And then that, it's never brought up again, and you just go, that one scene clashes so much with everything else in this movie. Why did they decide wire work all of a sudden? Yeah, well, was, I remember. They did the same kind of thing in Out for a Kill, where it's like he's fighting that guy, yeah. and all of a sudden he's like running on the walls and like flying through the air, and no one else does that in the movie except that one guy. <laughs> I think he does that in Against the Dark, too. I think he's like running up walls and slashing at vamp. He's a big fat vampire hunter with a sword, and I think he, I think he <laughs> he's runs only up. in like half the movie. Well, and it's, that's another one of those ones where it's obvious that it's not him doing the stunts. Because all of a sudden, when he runs up the wall, he loses 40 pounds. (laughs) Well, hey, at least it was his own voice in in that one. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I I don't like like wire foo action movies anyway. I I really don't. It's it's not my thing. I haven't seen all of Cynthia Rothrock's movies, but I saw one where she did wire work that was the Extreme Fighter, and like... It was just so sad looking, like it was not good wire work and, and it's just Cynthia Rothrock should not do wire work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she actually knows what she's doing. She doesn't need wire work, okay? Yeah. Like they had her running across water or something, but it looks so clunky, like oh, nice. It didn't look right. <laughs> this has been a fun fifty five minutes. I want to thank Allison for stopping by and just talking to us. I was gonna say something Thanks, else, right? but I can't say it. <laughs> Uh, I want to thank Brad for being here again. You can contact us at 1201beyond at gmail.com, and you can see Allison's videos, thatguywiththeglasses.com, as Obscurus Lupa Presents, and what's the, the TV one you do? Manic Episodes or something? Yeah, Manic Episodes. Manic Episodes, and you know where to find Brad, obviously, because he is the only reason anyone listens to this crappy show anyway. So That's not true. They listen to you for your sexy beard. Okay, I, I won't fight you with that. <laughs> so I'm going to say good night. Good night. Night.
Love's not what you think. Too weak to stand on, like quicksand in which you sink. Love is anything you make it. How can I let you feel my love, feel me, and still feel free? I may not have the answers now, so what? To be in time is on the beat. Right. 